When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. I'm James Butler, the Cricket Badger, and have, well, great pleasure today. Um, If you listened just prior to the start of the IPL, you know that I teamed up with the guys from the Edges and Sledges podcast, Ashwin and DJ, to talk about our thoughts on the competition ahead. And now all of these many, many days later, I have them back on the podcast to talk about how we found the IPL and maybe have a quick look ahead to 2021 as well. Start with you, Ashwin win I thoroughly enjoyed it we were just talking before our press record there about you know watching every single game and, and really getting involved in the tournament this time around and uh, was that the same for you yeah a hundred percent so first off thanks to thanks for having us back on the on the show I know just like you IPL season for us at the Edison Sledges Cricket Podcast is just huge it's just an it's our busiest season we got a ton of engagement a ton of listens we didn't go quite as extreme as you into the daily eight podcast but we did <laughs> you, an, one extra one per week we did uh, a midweek show that we normally don't do yeah you were more sensible so, well yeah we trying to balance it out i think the challenge the biggest challenge for us is the three the three time zones right because it's nearly impossible yeah. on working weekdays but to answer your question the ipl this year was fantastic i mean probably the vast majority of games were interesting to watch had some great performances you know there were definitely some one-sided ones and unfortunately the final was a little bit one-sided as were some of the later games in the tournament but we'll talk about that overall very, very excited. Glad it went well. Just feeling that little bit of withdrawal that I mentioned on our show too, that suddenly ended and now we got to deal with no cricket on uh, right now for at least the next couple of weeks. So we'll see how that goes. I found exactly the same thing, Ashwin. I, I mean, as you know, I, I had uh, the fan reps on. We did a daily podcast. It was really good fun uh, and got quite friendly with them all as well. I, I was very, very lucky that the nine guys that came forward were exactly what I was looking for, enthusiastic and passionate and just in for, up for the competition. And when I actually went to publish the, the final podcast after the final, um, I actually felt quite down 
And uh, fortunately, the US Masters Golf is something I'm quite interested in. So that's taken my attention away from being gloomy. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit tumbleweed um, at, after the uh, the final. Um, DJ, welcome back onto the uh, podcast. We, we had a, an episode of our podcast where we looked at whether it was the best ever. I felt that it possibly was because of the circumstances of the year. Some of the other guys didn't really agree with that. But how, how did you find it? Was it was it to A, fantastic and B, where would you rank it? First up, James, thanks for having us back on. Um, I think, like you, we are both addicts for the IPL, and uh, this year really did fuel that addiction. Um, I'm still looking at the clock waiting for the next game to start, but obviously it's all done with. Um, So in terms of where it ranks, I'd say it was the closest one. Obviously, we saw the points tally. had lots of teams finishing on 14, some of which didn't didn't even qualify for the... um, for the playoffs, so it was it was really close. Whether that was because some teams tailed off towards the end, like the Delhi Capitals, or some teams rose from the ashes, like the Kings Eleven Punjab, I don't know. But I mean, in an extraordinary year where we've really struggled to see live sport, we've been deprived of quality sport. It was so good to see all our favourite Indian cricketers back on screen. We've seen a little bit of the English cricketers and the West Indian cricketers, but. Uh, that first game when CSK played Mumbai, I think uh, it was just incredible. Although there were those problems with the side screen, which was inevitable after six months of no uh, Indian cricket, there was a, a side screen problem. But other than that little hiccup, it was just, I mean, I wouldn't rank it as the best or the uh, second best. Or I, I think it was just incredible to have an IPL this year and what they managed to do in the circumstances. A tournament that large played outside its host country was just, an enormous administrative and logistical achievement for the BCCI. So uh, thankful that the fans got to see an IPL in 2020, despite all the challenges. So I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I can do it justice by ranking it against the other years. Uh, it's just different, wasn't it? It was just different, and the you know no no crowds in there. The way they decked the stadiums out, I thought was very good as well. Made you actually forget there was, was nobody in the in in the crowd um, at some stages. I obviously based in the UK. I mean the the fan badges that came on the podcast were scattered all over the place, but I, I certainly picked up from uh, English supporters that there was a little bit more investment in the IPL this time around because of the nature of the year and because they probably got a little bit more time on their hands. They were looking for something to amuse them. And some of the, I guess, snobbery would be a, maybe a harsh way of putting it, but sort of T20 snobbery and oh, we're not going to invest our time in the IPL. It goes on too long. X, Y, Z, it's all about money. That, that's kind of fallen away a little bit this time around. And people actually did pay attention and by virtue of that they grew to love it a little bit more Ashwin and I I think that's a positive thing that maybe the BCCI and they can build on that a little bit yeah I couldn't agree more I think that's great I'm glad that you got that feel from the the English supporters and England and England's cricket community in general because obviously we know this one was a little polarizing in the early years a lot of English players didn't play for the IPL they didn't create a calendar window and now with the 100, which I know you have strong points of view about, I think mm. <laughs> yeah. it's, great to see the glo- it's great to see the global cricket community rally behind it. I think the timing was good. 
the quality of cricket was where we needed it to be. And so hopefully just onwards and upwards from here and it will keep growing in other countries as well. One of the things I, I, I mean, I don't know if I noticed it more this time around. I mean, I know they've they've got really good social medias and um, all of the, the franchises, but because they were in a hotel together, because they had maybe more time together, I thought the social media offerings from the various teams was really good this time, Ashwin. It, it, that, that's something that I think they can move on, regardless of whether there's fans in the ground or not. Social media does unite the world, doesn't it? And people can get invested in yeah, that too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it was un, unmatched, right? I think it, it sort of, we talk about this a lot on our show, but it sort of started with the Netflix series that they did about the Mumbai Indians. And that was the first real, I think, behind the scenes peak we got into an IPL franchise. They showed some of the real captain uh, team talks. They showed when Mahela Jaiwardhan got involved as the coach. They showed the players after a tough loss going on social media and scrolling through Twitters and Twitter and seeing all the hate. And so they showed a lot of those moments. And I think that just made the, all the franchises realize how starved fans are to get a, behind, a peek behind the curtain. Pretty much all of them, I guess, really stepped up. They had camera crews. They had, you know, from the net sessions they showed before to the team celebrations, to the birthdays, to the all these moments that allowed us as fans to feel even closer to and even more involved in the IPL. And I hope that's here to stay. I hope that's not just going to go away when we have fans back in the stadium because I think exactly to your point that just made the experience for those of us who aren't in India a fantastic one. I used to be the media manager at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. I didn't have enough resources or time on my hands to do it quite the same way at the IPL size did. But I, when I went into there, into that job as a fan, I always used to think, yeah, everybody can see the scorecards. Everybody, everybody can watch the matches. It's the behind-the-scenes stuff, the silly little things like Kane Williamson making a coffee for Johnny Bairstow in the hotel um, coffee bar and, and stuff like that. It just gives you a bit of a glimpse as to who they are as human beings rather than just the kind of the drones out there playing cricket that are all dressed the same that you can't necessarily differentiate at times, DJ. And that, that's what we want as supporters, isn't it? Oh, it was great. I thought there were some amazing moments from all the teams. The team we follow the most, the Delhi Capitals, had some brilliant social media stuff being thrown out there. We saw uh, Shreyas Iyer uh, impersonating Marcus Stoinis uh, walking into yeah, the room. We saw Rishabh Pant photobomb Ricky Ponting on live television. It was, I mean, it, it was great. It was great value. You had um, these guys teaching the Australian and English players to dance the Bhangra and stuff. I mean... You don't get that stuff uh, usually, and I think they really stepped up their social media game this year. It was uh, it was incredible. So uh, lovely to see that. It was nice as well, TJ, wasn't it? The, the in the dressing room bits after wins, where you saw the likes of Steve Smith doing his team talk and congratulating various people, and the silly little kind of traditions that they have inside the dressing rooms. It, it's a glimpse behind the wall, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I believe, uh, again, for the team that we follow, there is a documentary being made by uh, another podcaster, Gaurav Kapoor. And uh, that's a multi-season documentary that's likely to come out sometime soon. So I can't wait to see that. It gives you such an incredible glimpse into these uh, brilliant cricketers and what goes on behind the scenes, their fears, their concerns, the ego clashes, the um, all of that stuff. I think it's just brilliant. And as we go along, we're probably going to see this more and more, both on the international stage as well as at the franchise level. Uh, I've just ended, um, I've just finished watching uh, F1 Drive to Survive Season 2. I finished it in about three days, both the seasons. And I have to say, I don't follow F1, but if you can package a season and give it to me like that, uh, I will watch it every year. I said exactly the same because I've watched that and it is really good, isn't it? And you get to, you get to see who the drivers are underneath the helmet. And it's really rolled in into a really nice kind of glitzy, 
um, sleek package. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm by no means a, an F1, massive F1 fan. So totally take your point on that. I am conscious that both of you are Delhi Capitals fans. And the next question maybe is hard to answer. But Ashwin, did we get the right winner, Mumbai Indians? I think over the course of the tournament, we're the best team. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but I think we 100% did. I think we knew probably 10, 11 matches in that Mumbai looked just head and shoulders above everybody else. And this is an odd thing to say because they've won four times before this and Chennai have won three times, but it is never true to me at least. Maybe it was false hope as a Delhi fan in previous years, but it has never before felt to me like one side was just so far above the rest, right? Maybe it was two, maybe it was three, but this year it just felt like Mumbai fired on all cylinders Everybody from the openers to the middle order to the lower order to the the bowlers, the spinners, the quicks, everybody stepped up when they needed to. And I think the team just looked very, very well-rounded. So sad to say this is a Delhi fan, but I do think we had the, the, the right winners. It's tough, DJ, isn't it, to actually find a weakness or too much of a weakness in that Mumbai side? Because you look down there, their best 11, it is powerhouse, isn't it? That It's the best franchise in the world for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I should probably correct myself. So when I said that this was the closest IPL ever, I'm, I probably meant it for uh, in terms of playoff spots rather than uh, actually because Mumbai qualified first um, with the lack of a challenge from their traditional big rival CSK who tailed off very early on into the tournament. And Mumbai just ran um, amok this, this IPL. And I mean, as a Delhi fan, it's hard to take because we finished second only two points behind them, but we were struggling right to the last game to qualify. We have doubts about whether we would qualify. And um, it was it was like a little bit like, I mean, we watched the final and it was a little bit like watching India play Australia in the 2003 final of the World Cup where you know you're going to lose, but you're still hoping that <laughs> there's a miracle yeah. somehow and you, you come out on the other side of it um, with an upset win and the other team just has a bad day. But Mumbai, like the Australia of the 2000s, doesn't have many bad days. And uh, Tuesday this week wasn't one of them. And uh, they cruised to a victory over the Delhi Capitals, who showed fight, I have to say. Uh, we showed a lot of fight in the final. It could have been a completely damp squib. We were 22 for three. It was like, here we go again. But um, our boy Rishabh Pant and our captain Ayer uh, stood up and showed spine. Some good signs for our team, but um, bittersweet result for us. We, we made one glaring er- error with our predictions, which I'll come to later. But we both, uh, I think we all agreed that uh, Mumbai Indians would be right up there and would be con- in contention as it proved. But your team, Delhi Capitals, we all had a little bit of a fancy for them, that they were improving, that they, they looked to have plenty of balance in their side. Ashwin, to a degree, though, they, they peaked too early. They were probably, if you, if you took the form from the first half of the IPL season, Delhi Capitals would have been right up there and you might even have made the case for them to have been the best side. But they just fell away a little bit. It was just a little bit too much to sustain it throughout the entire season, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's what links back to what I said about everybody stepping up and firing, right? If you look at the early stages of the tournament, Delhi Capitals largely did well on the back of the bowlers, right? Rabada and Nokia did, had a fantastic early part of the season. And in the matches when they didn't show up, which is, which is allowed, right? It happens in a long tournament. It's inevitable. In the matches where they didn't show up, unfortunately, nobody else did in a big way, right? If you ask me to rank the Delhi Capitals batsmen, for example, I'm not, or how they fared and, you know, who shows up in the top batsman for the season. I'm not really picking anybody other than Shikhar Dhawan. And that's a problem. And he was very hit and miss as well, wasn't he? He either scored 100 or 50 or nothing. Exactly. He scored two back-to-back centuries and then back-to-back ducks. Yeah. And so it's not, it's, it's not the kind of consistency you need to be a champion side. 
you know, it's okay. I don't fault Shikhar. He did. He made two centuries. That's great. But when he when he underperformed, those are the games you needed an Ayer or a Punt or a Shaw or one of the guys to step up. And you know, Stoinis did once in a while with the bat, but didn't. He blew hard or cold a little. Hetmeyer, same thing. So nobody really stepped up when we needed them to, and that's why you know they ended up second place instead of first. DJ, I was thinking about Shikhar Darwin when we were towards the end of that our series of podcasts, and. You know, David Warner, overall, yeah, until the end maybe, hadn't had his best IPL season. He came quite strongly towards the finish of Sunrises, had that terrific race into the into the playoff contention. But he was consistent, wasn't he? You know, 30s and 40s from your opener on a consistent basis. He's maybe better for you as a team than Ashika Darwin, who scores a 50, 100, then three, dots, three ducks on the row. Yeah, so... Um... I don't think I was that concerned about Shikhar being inconsistent. Uh, at the start of the tournament, we were more worried about his strike rate because mm. I think he holds the record for the slowest IPL 50s. I mean, uh, batting for the Sunrisers as well as, um, as well as the Delhi Capitals. I think there was one game where he got 69 of 52. And uh, in most and um, Delhi lost that game and it, it would be characterized as a match-losing knock in many, many quarters. It was 69 not out as well because he was there at the end. But the revelation towards the end was actually his strike rate really rocketed when he got those hundreds. He, he started hitting his strike, started getting form, and he, he went to 144 uh, by the end of the tournament, which was which was brilliant. And when he fired, he fired quickly. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's brought himself back into contention for an India spot in the T20 side as well, which I thought was actually slipping away from him. I think the Delhi problem was actually his partner more than more than um, Shikhar because Prithvi Shaw, who we all like and um, thought would be the attacking opener, who started off very well. He started off uh, with a couple of 50s, scoring pretty quickly. He just went into a horrendous rut of form. He, he scored a few ducks. And I mean, even when he got out, he got out looking really ugly. Mm. So I think it was actually Shikhar's opening partner, which gave us more sleepless nights. We had Rahani partner him. We had Stoinis partner him at one stage and then Shaw came back so it was musical chairs at the other end which couldn't have been good for Shikhar Dhawan himself. I think Shikhar probably got a little more hate for um, his inconsistency than was required but the other end wasn't helping him is, is uh, the only justification I can give. It's funny isn't it how, how T20's changed I mean it's not been around that long and the IPL's uh, only had 13 seasons now but a 59 of 42 probably at the start of the IPL would have been seen as being yeah, half decent, but how strike rates are so ridiculously, yeah, people go along at 200 and, and what have you, that a 59 off 42 is seen as pedestrian. And people have the same criticism, DJ, of uh, KL Rahul at times because he was getting hundreds, but not necessarily getting them at express pace. Yeah, and Rahul has is, is been a strange case for a few years now. And I think maybe we spoke about this on our preview podcast where we said that uh, KL Rahul gets runs for Punjab, but they don't win. and proved totally right yeah. at yeah. the start of this uh, season where they he kept getting runs 50 after 50 after 50, but they wouldn't win. They just couldn't get a single win on the board. And he ended with a strike rate of 129. There's a big debate to be had, I think, about whether anchors are required in uh, in T20 cricket. You've only got 20 overs. Why do you need someone to bat through the innings? Um, I don't see anchors being around for very long. You've got all these players who... Uh, say that strike rate is overrated and we're going to bat through the innings. But, I mean, frankly, it's 20 overs. You've got a Nicholas Puran sitting in the, in the change room. We've got Maxwell. Give them give them a shot. Let them uh, prove, prove their worth and earn their money. 
It is, it, I, I felt for a little bit with K.O. Rahul that he didn't necessarily trust the people coming in lower down and therefore try to shoulder the responsibility. Maybe some of that was having the captaincy for the first time. He felt that uh, um, requirement to be more of a limpet than a than an explosive player. But you know, I, I guess we'll, it'd be interesting to see how he how he rocks up for the uh, next edition, won't it, to see if he actually makes any changes to the way he plays. Just on that, he's actually got the record for the fastest IPL 50 ever. It's yeah, fourteen balls. So he's not a guy who who bats slowly. Oh, he can do it. Yeah, he can do it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Ashwin, the in terms of the Delhi Capitals to round off on them, the the fact they were third last season, they were second this time. Although I guess there's ultimate disappointment that he didn't quite get across the line in the final. Everything seems to be kind of moving in the right direction in in terms of the greater scheme of things. Yeah, I think that's what we talked about in the show, right? Is you always have such high expectations as a fan. But if you look at it academically as you are, we'd never finished third before last year. We made it to the top three. Obviously never made a final before and made it to the finals, came up short, but second place. So it's it's our best ever finish. It is an improvement from last year and exactly right, right? Third in 2019, second in 2020. Let's hope 2021 keeps that pattern going. They, there's talk now about um, it changing a little bit, maybe adding a ninth team in, having a big auction so that that ninth team can populate its ranks. And obviously that will give... Some of the other franchises a chance to uh, spruce up their 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 lineups and what have you. That I'm not quite so sure that's necessary. Um, having a ninth team is that not all about the money, DJ, rather than actually what's good for the tournament. The IPL is just all about the money and what's good for <laughs> the BCCI. There's no question about it. It's all about sponsorship and uh, getting a new team in is is just bringing in more cash. Uh, it make the IPL longer, which means more eyeballs, which means a uh, bigger. TV contract. There's a danger with that, though, isn't there? Because I mean, the Australian um, Big Bash they extended that and tried to make it a little bit longer because it was all working so well. And there's a there's a school of thought that you shouldn't kind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I thought this IPL was almost almost perfect in in the way it was formed. It didn't go on too long. Every game meant something. I mean, that was partly because everybody was beating each other, but it, it was it just worked. And I think if you actually add another side and it goes on another week or two, you say more eyeballs, you're in danger of actually losing a few people because they get a bit bored with it. I think the problem with the big bash example you gave was they didn't have the players because of their salary caps, right? So that was their main issue. But yes, it was seen as very long and it went on for months and months and nobody knew what was happening and it was, uh, it was just a, a little bit boring. But you've got to remember with the IPL, it's on at prime time in India. It's instead of all the daily soaps that people watch or the news that people watch, you just turn it on, three hours of watching your guys play. And I mean, I can, if, it, if it's on in the summer, I can see, I, I can't see it losing eyeballs, to be totally honest. India is, is, is cricket mad. That's the biggest TV audience they're going to have. Maybe in other countries, they won't have that much of a, um, of a uh, following because of time zones or lack of interest. Maybe this year has been different because of uh, various lockdowns around the around the world Every and, and lack of other international cricket at this stage. But um, we did have 10 teams at one stage. Um, it, yeah. it was cut down to eight. But I'm, I'm sure they've... I don't know how many more games. Ashwin can probably do the math. Is it 12 more games that, that uh, two teams will need to play? Each? I think, yeah, on the assumption that every team has to play every team twice. And that's yeah. what went away when we had 10 teams, by the way. They didn't extend the tournament to full length. They, yeah, I think if I remember, each team played, so 10 teams, each team played seven teams twice and two teams only once. And so there are ways to get there where, if you, again, 
if you think of the English Premier League, all 20 teams play all other, each 19 teams twice, so let's say you have 38 matches, but different leagues around the world have it done differently, where you divide by geography, so you have a Western Conference and an Eastern Conference in the U.S. and many leagues where you don't play everybody across the country, so you're not traveling back and forth the whole season. You play more games against teams near you geographically, less games against those further. So there are ways to get to it. You basically. could have zones as well, right? Like exactly, divided yeah. into north zone, yeah. south zone, or uh, two different divisions, and then you have the playoffs like that. That could be quite exciting, actually. Many ways to get there. <laughs> but don't you think one of the things? I mean, certainly having a, having a league where you don't play each other the same amount of times, I think, is is flawed. And I think part of the beauty of a, a tournament like, I mean, T20 was started out as being something which was a little bit more fast food to appeal to the modern generation to be a little bit more bite-sized and throwaway. And I know it's more than that now, but you still want the tournament to be symmetrical in a way and everybody to play each other twice. And I thought that's why I thought this IPL edition was so good because it, it all just worked. And there's just something wrong, I think, with having an odd number of sides in the tournament, Ashwin. Yeah, look, I, so to answer your original question, I don't think, I'm sure it's about the money. So I think DJ is right. For me, I think the reason a ninth team is kind of exciting is because if you if you look at call it all the players that are on the, that are on benches that didn't play or even that didn't get picked up in the auctions, you could easily form a ninth, maybe a tenth team even. Oh, that be, have there'd be a queue of players for it. There'd be a queue of players. Exactly. Yeah. That that would be at the same level. Now, there's an argument to be made that said, hey, do you have let's call it teams nine and ten? If you said two new teams, do you have fourteen more. Indian guys, because you need a seven Indian guys in each side. Do you have 14 more Indian guys at that level? Maybe not. And so some of the discussion today, I read this morning that somebody in the BCCI is proposing saying, if you add more teams, then allow for the fifth overseas player. Because then you've got six Indian guys, five overseas players in each, in each playing 11, and you have enough Indian talent to make that high-quality cricket. I think that would be game-changing as well. I'm not sure they'll do it. But all that to say, like, there are a lot of players I can think of that were on the benches who I would have loved to see play. And so rather than warm the bench for the Mumbai Indians, maybe they could go play for the ninth side and we'd actually get to see them perform. Okay. You make Sandeep Lamichani captain of the ninth side. <laughs> DJ is never going to stop talking about Sandeep because he, did, he warmed the bench for Delhi the entire season. So did Kimo Paul. Like there were, there were good T20 players who just warmed the bench, right? What's wrong with Sandeep Lamichani? I love watching him play. When he's played, he's, I don't think he's ever done anything too wrong. He never seems to get his opportunity. DJ, do you want to take this one? This is very. I, I think I'm just going to rant. I think this is a rant coming on. I feel it. I, I've, I've found it. I don't know. I didn't get it. We we should have played Sandeep Lamichani during the league stages. We should have played him during the playoffs. We should have played him in the final. You can't go through a T20 tournament uh, without a wrist spinner that's winning you games. I mean, when Delhi started getting hit around, we didn't have anyone to go to. Mumbai have Rahul Chahar to go to. We had Amit Mishra. He got injured. And we should have brought Lamichane in straight in after mm. that. I mean, I don't know why, why we played Daniel Sands because it was, I don't know whether it was Ricky Ponting, Australian uh, bonding going on there. Who knows? But I I, I think Lamichane should tell his, his manager that he needs a new team. And I'm sure the moment he goes to a new team, he's going to bowl the Delhi Capitals out for fun because he is a class T20 player. His stats are fantastic. He just hasn't had enough opportunity and we saw him in the CPL he was brilliant just before the IPL so I can't understand how he doesn't make excellently uh, delivered rant there I totally agree with every single word of that another um, reason for having an auction I mean there was some doubt whether there was going to be a proper auction it might just have been a a, a case of um, a few transfers you know exchanges of players and and maybe a couple more people tapped up but 
CSK, um, one of the biggest sides in the competition, not qualifying for the playoffs for the first time in their their history. Obviously, they missed two incarnations of the IPL, but that's 11 seasons with just one miss now, and that was this time. They need a complete overhaul, don't they, DJ? They We talked about them being dad's army. The average age was more than any other side, and they started to look like it this time. Oh, yeah, they, they finished seventh. First time outside the playoffs. No magic there from MS Dhoni. Lots of controversy, batting order issues, injury issues, people not getting balconies in their hotel rooms and going back to India, apparently. So they really struggled this year. And I I think it showed that uh, they weren't as well-rounded a team as we thought outside the Chepok Stadium. They got their combinations a little bit mixed up. They only played Tahir towards the end, who was the highest wicket-taker last year. Um, Ruturaj Gaikwad finally hit some form, so he's a good prospect for them, but very disappointing for their side. Um, a, a team that's so used to success, knowing that they're not going to make the qualifiers, really had some soul-searching to do so. And I think uh, Dhoni will go back, he will reflect on this, and um, with the team management, they will come up with a plan for next year. And if there's a mega auction, they will be in the market with their first out. I think when we did our preview, um, we, we gave scores out of 10 each and we, we had our order of how the IPL would finish. And I think we weren't too far away in, in most cases, but CSK ended up totally the other end of the table than we suggested because we were just assuming they'd rock up and, and be as strong as ever. But that didn't happen this time, Ashwin, did it? And you know, MSD, who's obviously a legend, that, that's never going to change. Obviously, one of the best players that India have ever produced and certainly incredibly influential at CSK. Does he carry on now or does he now move, maybe move upstairs and take on a tracksuit rather than the, the, a playing shirt? Yeah, so first off, uh, the only reason I hesitated when you invited us back on the show is because I was waiting that somebody will call out that I think I gave <laughs> CSK 9 out of 10 before the tournament. You did. And obviously, they came out, came out 7. So I think... You just always assume the guys with that kind of experience will find their way, and unfortunately, they didn't this year. But to answer your specific question, we heard Emma Tony use the phrase "definitely not." That quote unquote that broke the internet when asked, "Is this the last time we'll see you in CSK colors?" So it, you know, it could be a, C- a CSK colored tracksuit, though, couldn't it? That's fair. That's a good point. I do expect he will play in twenty one. I don't think he wants to go out having had a lackluster season himself, having you know finished his team finish in seventh, etc. Also, again, like I said, he acknowledges, I think the IPL is, the IPL 21, if things go to plan, is six months away. So that's not long enough that he doesn't want to stay away. I do expect, though, that that would be his last. And I just think the CSK owners and management will do whatever it takes to get him to stay connected to the franchise. So somehow, whether it's a mascot or a coaching capacity or just, just a spokesperson, whatever it is, some dotted line link because of how important he is to the, to the team. I'd suggest as well, Ashwin, that if they are going to have a, a big auction, um, which looks likely, and CSK do change their team quite markedly because it needs it, then MSD becomes even more important for CSK next time because he needs to basically take in the newcomers, probably younger people, and help them into that setup and give them a bit of a flavour of what CSK is all about. And he, he's the man, isn't he? He's the man that is CSK. Ah, yeah, yes, and I'm hesitating because DJ's on the call, but is there a world where MSD is not one of the retentions for CSK? Like, if you think of the three best players they have that they want to retain to build their core around, I think just for the optics and the politics of it, they will take him. But you got you have to believe somebody in the CSK you know, coaching staff or management camp is saying, maybe, maybe, just maybe, MS Tony isn't one of the three players we retain. So I, that, that would be crazy, but it's possible. 
they would be right yeah, there you go you can see why <laughs> no, but, but generally i mean if you think about their their team they came back in 2018 they won it in 2018 they were finalists in 2019 and this year didn't go well so i mean the management knows what it's doing i'm i'm sure they will go for value for money and if they do i suspect they will retain ms dhoni but uh, he will retire at some point because he's such a marquee player they, so that will free up a purse for them which will allow them to get a transfer in the off season. Surely DJ if MSD is to play in 2021 it would be for CSK. If if CSK suddenly decided that they were going to release him from future playing uh, commitments with them, you can't see him going somewhere else can you? No, I I I, I can't see CSK <laughs> releasing MSD. I mean, no. it's unthinkable. It would as I said there would be riots in the streets of Chennai and possibly all over india badges are furry creatures 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn off 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. Um, we d- we did at the end of our run of podcasts. Uh, I got my nine fan badges to vote in various capacities for teams of the tournament and what have you. And uh, be interested to see if you agree with our assessment. Best um, Indian we described as being well, we we voted as being Jasprit Bumrah. The best overseas is Jofra Archer. Would you be in agreement with that, DJ? Um, so I I mean Bumrah has been outstanding this year as well, but uh, and Jofra was brilliant too, but. I don't know whether he would be the best Indian overall. Are we looking at the best Indian bowler or the best Indian overall? Because just, just the best. Had a couple yeah, of off days. Just the best Indian. I mean, he started slowly, didn't he? I mean, some of the spells towards the start of the competition, it didn't look like the Jasprit that we know and love, but he came good towards the end. Yeah, well, he finished wicketless as well in the final. I mean, I would have gone for Ishan Kishan as my uh, Indian for the for the season because he had a brilliant breakthrough season this time round. Uh, but yeah, I can't complain about uh, a choice of Bumrah. Brilliant season for him as well. Ended second on the wicket takers list, and uh, yeah, marquee player for for Mumbai. And Jofra was so uh, massively impactful in the power play, MVP for this IPL. So again, can't argue with that. DJ just mentioned Ishan Kishan there, Ashwin. I I've got a soft spot for him from that Mumbai documentary because he was the little naive fella in that that was getting told off every now and again, but obviously massively talented. And it was gr- great to see him explode onto this edition of the IPL. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. He's had some really good years before, right? He's had some good performances, good years, but to make 500 runs, I don't think he's crossed 500 before. I'm just trying to think through. I think he had made 200 a couple of years, but he averaged 57, he struck at 145. You know, there was one point, I think it was in the qualifier, the first qualifier, when Ishan Kishan, a young short Indian batsman made Rabada look like look like a, a high school bowler. and to be able to do that was just unbelievable so very very pleased for him i think he's put in his time he's worked very very hard he's very talented and 
it was great to see him come good this year. Again, not as a Delhi fan, but as an Indian cricket fan and a fan of the sport. One of the other awards that we had was the Moonrise Moment. We did a Moonrise Moment of every match, and we had um, various nominations for the, uh, the the overall Moonrise Moment of the tournament. Nicholas Poran's boundary save. We had the Super Over Sunday, which was just a, 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 the end of a ridiculous weekend. But Rahul Tawatia's uh, innings, where he went from zero to hero against Kings Eleven, actually won that. And it coined the term on our podcast of, of being Tawatiyad, where you're, you're down and out and then you come back and come good. And Rahul Tawatiya really made a name for himself uh, this time, DJ, didn't he? He was, he was incredible. Some of those little fighty knocks. He's a little street fighter, isn't he? He's got, he's got a bit about him. So Tawatiya has definitely got a bit about him. We saw the celebration with his, uh, with his fingers in his ears to an empty stadium, which was a bit funny, but uh, it was okay. Um, he scored 250-plus uh, runs, took a 10-12 wicket, took some catches. So he had a good season. But, I mean, the one that stood out, as you say, is that innings in Sharjah. And it only stood out because he was doing so badly at the start of that innings that uh, people were saying he should uh, run himself out, he should get stumped, he should uh, offer the uh, the bowler a monkard so as to not, not to waste a ball. It kind of it showed the romantic side of cricket, didn't it? That we all we've we've all played cricket to various levels, and we've all struggled and and thought, how am I going to get my next run? And to see to see a little fellow like Rahul Tuatia in the glare of the millions of people watching go from absolute struggling to smacking thirty off and over from Sheldon Cottrell, that was it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, right? This is a bowler who plays for his country, who's played international cricket at the biggest stages under pressure, and Look, let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Sheldon Cottrell bowled a terrible over, but just that mental tenacity. I, I think we talked about this on Edges and Sledges as well. But the at this level, a lot of the, many of the players. Okay, you have the best in the world, but then you have the good enough to play international cricket, and many of them have the skill you require, right? So, what differentiates the players who make the IPL versus those who don't and who succeed is is the mental tenacity. And I just think DJ sort of alluded to it, but. That ability to be there, scoring at a painfully slow rate, so painfully slow that uh, you, but you still somehow had the, the belief, the self belief to say, "I am going to make these runs and take your team over the line." Is just phenomenal. And if I could uh, give you the the opportunity to just kind of pick one moment from the IPL twenty twenty that you just, yeah, maybe in ten years time when you think back to this tournament, it'll be the the moment you think about. What would it be, Ashwin? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you mentioned the Rahul Tavatiya moments. I'm not going to talk about that one. I'm just trying to think through, and it's weird to say this being a Delhi fan, but the moment I would think about if I think about IPL 2020, 10 years from now, is not a Delhi moment, but it's the Sunday we had in the middle of October, kind of middle of the <laughs> tournament, yeah. when you had two matches back-to-back that both went to super overs. I think, you know, one was the Lockie Ferguson brilliance by with KKR, and then the second was Punjab versus Mumbai. And incidentally, Mumbai lost two matches in Super Overs this league season despite winning. But just having, I think there were nine Super Overs bowled in this IPL. And just having, I guess, also worth noting, one of those, the Super Over was tied. So they played the second uh, Super Over as well. And I remember DJ and I got on and did an emergency podcast about that because it was just <laughs> so exciting. So yeah. that was 
that was definitely the most memorable day for me. I actually felt exhausted after that day, after watching it and going through all of the uh, kind of the mental tension of, the, of each of those games and then having to do a podcast after it. Yeah, um, we were joking and Varun, who's our third co-podcaster, said, you know, after the second set tied over, he said, what happens if they tie 11 super overs? <laughs> do the owners, do Ambani and Preeti Zinta come out and play against each other or what's the game plan there? There, there were those rules that they started reeling off on the television about the batsmen that, that have already batted can't bat again and everything. And then uh, during the second super over, they said, well, it just reverts back to the start after this one. It was almost like they they were making the rules up as they went along because they'd never they never contemplated there being a, the potential for a third super over in a game. Yeah, which, you know, having just lived through July of 2019, and I know <laughs> yeah. your your side came up victorious there, but it's amazing to think how one of the most, most watched sports in the world with some of the most money in the world, with some of the most money, they, they too have scenarios we haven't thought about. There yeah. are just situations we don't know what to do if they come up and so it's, it's good we keep learning keep keeps us on our toes I, my, my personal take on that was that it would be quite good if they just continued that same rule where if you'd already batted you couldn't bat again and you'd end up with a, a Trent Bolt and Jasper Bummer opening the batting because they had, they had nobody else left and you got that got down to that stage I think that would be quite exciting myself um, we DJ we were talking about most memorable moments in, in 10 years time when you sat there and you're thinking back to IPL 2020. We've obviously gone through the Tuatia moment. We've gone through the, the Super Sunday and the double Super Overs. Is there anything else that will spring to your mind? There's two more, and they again, both having to do with Super Overs. So I don't know what, what this is about. But the first one is the Delhi Super Over with Rabada uprooting Nicholas Poor and Stumps, which was just absolutely incredible for us to watch. It was the first weekend of the IPL as well, and, and that's when it really came alive for us. I mean, that that was just um, something else. And then there was the RCB versus Mumbai Indian Super Over as well, <laughs> where um, yeah. Virat Kohli and A.B. de Villiers came out and uh, won that game. But before that, we'd seen the brilliance of Kyron Pollard and uh, Ishan Kishan, which we, who scored 89 of 30 balls to get to that Super Over. And Ishan Kishan fell inches or a couple of feet short of um, of winning the game for Mumbai. So, I mean, it has been, it has been some IPL. Um, on a lighter note, probably the punt moment with him uh, photobombing Ricky Ponting. I just can't get over that Ponting with a serious face, and and punt punt and Stoin is just uh, sitting behind him, him and mocking. Just I mean, bring the smile to my face even now. Yeah, Ricky Ponting's face. He he, he made the smile and he said something along the lines. I wish he was out there batting or something like that. But he was. He was. Uh, you get you get a little a few little moments like that through an IPL. That uh, when we were zero for three, we were wishing Ricky Ponting was, was going to bat it up and come out. Genuinely. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, though, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me again, both before the IPL and today after it. But. For me, it goes down as a, certainly a very special IPL because of the COVID-19 backdrop and the fact that we're all just looking for something just to take our minds off it and escape. And that's what IPL 2020 was, an, an escape from the uh, the rest of the world, really, in the, the normal life, which has not been particularly pretty in the year 2020. Ashwin and DJ, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having us on. Thanks, James. Thanks for having us on. Pleasure as always. And uh, if you uh, enjoyed that and you want to hear more of the uh, guys, listen to the Edges and Sledges podcast, which is a, a very, very good podcast about Indian cricket. It's that Badger style. Thank you once again to Ashwin and DJ from the Edges and Sledges podcast.
for joining me to round up our coverage on the Cricket Badger podcast of IPL 2020. Thanks again to all nine of the fan badges and for you for listening during the daily IPL podcast. Really enjoyed this edition of the IPL and it was made much better by making nine new mates on the on the IPL dailies. All nine of them fantastic people and really did contribute to my enjoyment of that competition. We are back now. Cricket badges everywhere to normal podcasts for the foreseeable future. I've got a couple of really good ones coming up in the next week or so. Toby Radford and Tohid Qureshi join me to talk about Bangladesh cricket. And also going to be joined by Andrew Edwards, who talks about how his autism has been helped massively and his life has been helped massively by his love of the sport of cricket. If you have liked the IPL dailies, make sure you subscribe to the Cricket Badger podcast. Give it a like and a nice comment if you can as well. That would be much appreciated. And stay tuned because if you like the IPL dailies, then you like cricket. And this is the Cricket Badger podcast. And all of the podcasts are cricket related. And hopefully you'll enjoy many more into the future. I've been James, the Cricket Badger. And I'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.